Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome, everyone, to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Braves Digital Media Content Manager. Usually, I'm joined by my co-host, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Uh, Greg today is actually up in Cherokee, North Carolina. Uh, he's at an event that the Braves are participating in with the uh, EBCI up there, Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. And if you've been listening to Behind the Braves in recent weeks or months, uh, you'll know that I've been talking about my impending wedding. Well, uh, it's wedding week for me. And as you're now hearing this, or as this episode is released, I am out of the office for a couple of weeks for, for my wedding and subsequent honeymoon. Now, fear not, we will be back with all new episodes to coincide with the start of the 2023 regular season. But in the meantime, we wanted to revisit some some past interviews uh, of Behind the Braves. We've been around for five years and almost 160 episodes now, so we've got a pretty deep library to, to pull from, a lot of history on this show. And with March being Women's History Month, we thought a, a great one to revisit would be our interview with NBC's Maria Taylor. Maria, of course, as you know, is a huge Braves fan and is, is you, you're familiar with her, of course, in the past with her work on ESPN and now with NBC. And she actually just did an event here at Truist Park a few days ago. She works with Garth Brooks' charity organization called Teammates for Kids. You can go to teammatesforkids.com and check out her project, which is called the Pow Her Project. The goal of this this project is to build a community of confident middle school girls by providing real life experiences. So Maria actually brought out, I believe it was around a hundred local middle school girls. They were here at the ballpark. They, they listened to a panel of women, wonderful women that work here with the Braves, talk about their careers and their experiences. And then the girls were broken off into groups and they went to various stations around the ballpark, learning either about the Braves, the ballpark, or about various careers within baseball. I was fortunate enough, myself and Brave Social Media coordinator Victoria Rossman. Uh, we had our own social media station where we were talking to the girls about our careers in social media and what we do. Uh, and it was really, really an amazing event. And it was just, I was just honored to, to even be asked to take a small part in it. And and Maria is just so wonderful. And we thought, you know, what better what better person to revisit our interview with than, than Maria. So in honor of Women's History Month, let's get right into it. Here she is. Maria Taylor. Maria, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know it's like you, 
I can't imagine how you ever even have time in your schedule with all the different things that you're doing. So we just thank you for carving out a little time for, for us. And there's so many things we want to talk to you about between, I mean, the winning edge leadership program, uh, your, your career, everything. But since this is the Braze podcast, I want to start with two things. A, uh, so I work with the, the marketing team the, and the social media side of things and was part of that, uh, the early planning process for, our promotional video a couple years ago that you starred in, uh, we dare you to doubt us is what I always refer to it as. It's one of my favorite things we've ever done since yeah. I've been here. So just is, wanted to just commend you and thank you again for doing that. Cause that was, we loved that so much. And just how, what were, how did you first kind of become a Braves fan and what, what were some of your earliest memories of a Braves fan growing up here in, in Georgia? You know, first of all, I loved that entire, <laughs> that promo because the whole time they're like, all right, we're going to test your acting, you know? And they're like, you have to pretend like this is house of cards, like be angry, you know, cause I'm always <laughs> smiling and super happy. And they're like, no, 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 it's about doubt. And so <laughs> it took like 20 minutes for me to get into my vibe or in my zone, but it totally worked <laughs> out. Um, but as far as my earliest memories, I mean, my mom is from Atlanta. Like my grandmother is like steeped in Atlanta, like only bought stock in Home Depot and Coke and always had season tickets to the Falcons always had season tickets to the Braves. So I can remember being, you know, a five-year-old. And even though we lived in Chicago for my dad's job, like every time we would come down in the summer and spend the summer with my grandmother, it's like, you're going to a Braves game a week or something. We're going to go get, grab some boiled peanuts and water on the way in. For some reason, I have pictures of me in like an Atlanta Braves visor. I was like, did they sell Atlanta Braves visors back then, like in the nineties? <laughs> and you know, you're just at the ballpark all day, and that's something that you know I cherish because a lot of family memory memories are founded in that, you know. And so to be a part of the Braves family, or be able to do a promo video, or be allowed to come in and do the chop—that's a big memory of mine. Brought my whole family there, and being able to lead the chop, like those things are really special because it started with my grandmother. She's no longer with us, but she started a family tradition of like following your hometown team and supporting them and buying those season tickets and making sure you're in the stands for better or worse. And we carry that on today. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I, I, as people have listened to this show for a long time now, have heard me talk about when I was first getting into it in the nineties, David justice, like that was my guy. Uh, I occasionally will lie and say that Greg McMichael was my favorite player from those teams, <laughs> but, uh, but, but David justice was my guy. Did you have like, were there any players early on that were kind of like, you know, for me, David justice was the poster on my wall. What was it like for you? So definitely Chipper Jones, like always, <laughs> um, like Andrew Jones, um, um, Brian Jordan and I end up working with him because he did like high school football and he did some, he was obviously still doing baseball, but to be able to work with Brian Jordan when I was coming up in my broadcasting career, like that was so special to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, I remember watching you. And like, I love you. Um, so that was like a big dream come true for me. <laughs> Those were two of my big ones, but definitely had a Chipper Jones poster up on the wall and, you know, super brave geek nerd for geek out for him. Well, it's funny if I, if I've heard it once and Ricky's heard me say this a number of times, if it wasn't for the grandmothers out there, I don't know any of us would have have had any fan base because they were amazing. They were amazing. Yeah. I, I grew up in, in Knoxville. And so there was a period of time where I come home from school and I get a chance to watch the Cubs during the day. And then I'd watch the Braves at night. And so I was one of those TBS kids that I grew up watching Murph and Dale, you know, Bob Horner and Glenn Hubbard and these guys that back in the eighties where 
you know, they were, they were okay, but, uh, but it didn't matter. They were on TV every night. And there's so many people that have been all over the country um, in all different types of venues. And there's so many Braves fans and it's all because of TBS. So it was, it was great memories. So I'm not surprised to hear that your grandmother, but uh, was a great fan, but man, we appreciate them because uh, I don't know if that we'll be able to say that for generations after this, because, man, that was just a great time. But I wanted to ask you, um, about the mentorship program that you've got going on. That's something that's near and dear to my heart. We're, we've been involved with a mentorship program with Sanford University for the last couple of years, just from a sports marketing program. Got a chance to meet a lot of great kids over there and, and work with them. But I was, I was reading about what you've got going on, and I'd love to hear more about how you got into that and, and kind of what's been the most rewarding thing about it. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for bringing it up. Um, It's called the Winning Edge Leadership Academy. And we've been around for this is our fifth year celebrating our fifth anniversary. And we I actually started it when I was working for SEC Network. So I was in Charlotte. And one of the young women who worked with me, she worked in events, her name was Kareen Million. And we were just talking one day and we were like, man, wouldn't it be cool if like, when we were younger, we had an opportunity to network and, you know, like make our way into the sports industry while being surrounded by people who supported us, you know? And we looked around, we're like, there's not a lot of women that work at ESPN or anywhere really in sports. There's not a lot of people of color. Like how can we build that bridge? And that's when we decided to, we literally got a book for dummies on starting a nonprofit and <laughs> went out, called my mom. We're like, mom, can you be the treasurer? <laughs> can you handle our money? And started a nonprofit. And it started out as just a, a mentoring program. So we would have five kids and they all went to Johnson C. Smith at the time, which is an HBCU in North Carolina. And we partnered them up with an individual who worked where they wanted to. So we had a guy who was at the Hornets and, you know, worked in their legal counsel and would create events for them at a Charlotte Hornets game. Um, or we had individuals who were working in the athletic departments at local colleges. And that, that was their mentor for an entire year. And it kind of culminated in a graduation. And we would kind of help you figure out your next steps. And now we have like really what we did before COVID, we have retreats where we would bring in, you know, six guys and six girls and you come to Atlanta. And we actually took them to the Atlanta Braves. So shout out to the Braves for being supportive of the nonprofit. Um, we've taken them over to Turner and allow them to see what it would be like to work in sports television. If that's, you know, their goal to allow them to see what are the jobs that a baseball team, a professional baseball team has and just allowing them to open up their minds. Cause a lot of times these kids, they're first generation graduates. So they don't have a lot of money to spend on maybe an internship or something like that. And so for them, this is an all expense paid opportunity to explore all those career paths and we keep a very tight-knit group you know we're not we're not expanding we're not huge but we stay in touch with our kids and we see where they want to go next we find out if we have a connection somewhere if there's somewhere they really want to work and and help put it together so it's really about connecting the dots and just being there and being supportive we just wanted to create a good foundation for kids wanting to get into the sports industry yeah that's awesome i know that uh, you've probably got a bunch of people that are so thankful for what you're doing i've noticed that obviously you know this as well as i do this is a very tough environment for a lot of these kids that are coming out of college and, you know, they just need confidence, you know, they need to understand and then being able to tap into somebody like yourself and, and understand who's in the industry and know what they got to take that, what it takes to get, to get it done and to be involved in that. It's got to be real rewarding. Where did that come from? Why did you think that you wanted to, to give back in that way? 
I think honestly it was because when I was coming up, I just wish that I had someone to talk to a lot, mm. you know, and, and you're kind of, you're blind taking steps and that's the way of the world, you know, that's the way it naturally is. But I always thought that when I had an opportunity or I had a platform that, that I would use it to, to help other people. Like, I feel like we all are put in certain positions for a reason. And I wanted to make sure that I was using mine correctly. And also I think because I worked in college football, so I'm always on campuses, you're, you're constantly being infused with like this young, youthful, great energy. And all of them have the same question. Like, how did you get to where you are? How do I get there? What can I do? You know what I mean? So I was like, I, I got to create something where I can really like dig deeper with a few kids or, or make them feel as though that they really do have contact and connection with me. And so they're the best way to do that is a program like this. Um, so yeah, part of it was just like being on campuses and be like, I got, I got to help the kids. I love these kids. <laughs> they bring so much energy to our shows. And then we focus a lot on, um, athletes, student athletes, you know, I'm partial to them being one from Georgia. And so it's important to me to kind of like stay connected to that community of individuals too. Yeah. And it's, I love how you phrased all of that. And it's like, even for me to get into the sports industry, it was like, I, I put myself out there a lot and, you know, I remember one time I mailed out, I was really trying to get into sports radio at the time and I would put together this package and I mailed out dozens of these things all across the country. And I got one call back and it was from somebody that said, well, we don't have any budget to hire you and we're not going to hire you, but we just liked it, wanted to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. That's, that's great. <laughs> so it's like, I know how hard that is, but just giving somebody just to give you a chance or just to talk to you is like, that's the first big step. That's the first big break that or it was for me anyways. And I, I just, I love that program, the, the winning edge leadership Academy. That's just such, that's such great work. Um, I wanted to ask you just about broadcasting and your first interest in, in broadcasting. I mean, I know you were, you were a student athlete, um, grew up an athlete. When did you kind of first start getting that, that bug or that itch to maybe try broadcasting? What, what kind of sent you in that direction? Well, it's funny because my major, when I got to Georgia was actually uh, biology. So I thought I was going to be a team doctor. And then I got to school and I was like, I don't even like science that much. Like this is the first level of science. I don't think I want to take organic chemistry. So then I I changed it to business and the same thing happened where I was like, I don't like accounting. I don't like finance. Like, what am I doing? And then my best friend, my teammate, roommate, she was in broadcast news. All she ever wanted to do was be like the local Chattanooga anchor in her town. And I went to a class with her one day and just fell in love with it. Like, that's all I wanted to do. And then, you know, Fox Sports South would come and broadcast our volleyball or basketball games. They do like one, maybe a season. Now every single game is on TV because the SEC network for uh, women's athletics. But I, you know, walked right up to them and I was like, hey, you know, can I get an internship or how does this work? And, and by the time I was a senior, I was literally driving back and forth from Athens to Atlanta, working at Fox Sports South. And again, kind of like you said, it's just having someone believe in like whatever your dream is. So someone being like, yeah, like we could see that and come and rewind these tapes. You know what I mean? Or and then I would go over with they always had a show. Obviously, they worked with um, the Atlanta Hawks. So we would go over to Hawks games and I would just drive around with the camera guy and get shots with him. And I was like, this is all I want to do. Like, this is it. So when I say and people don't believe me, but like. I'm really true to Atlanta and I love this city. It's because at every turn, it's kind of been my start. You know, I started in high school football in Georgia. I started at the University of Georgia. My first internship was in Atlanta at Fox Sports South. Like everything is built on itself, but it's because the city has given me so many different opportunities that I'm here today. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back. 
along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You, you've been involved in, I mean, I feel like, again, I just feel like you have to be one of the hardest work, working people in, in sports journalism and broadcasting. Cause it's like, I, I, we see you everywhere all the time. Is there anything to your, to this point in your career that you has kind of been the most fulfilling thing for you or that you look at as kind of like, that's, that was the, like the highlight thus far. It's funny because when I first started this journey, all I wanted to do was make it to the women's basketball tournament. Like if I could do the sidelines maybe for a national championship game and be at the final four for women's volleyball, like that was it. Like that would have been the dream come true. I just want to do enough games to like fill my slate and be there when the champion is crowned. Um, so I couldn't have even seen in my wildest dreams working in the national championship for college football or being at the NBA finals this past year and being able to host our ABC shows. So I really do believe one of my highlights is the first time I worked this selection show for a women's basketball tournament because that's something I grew up watching and something that like is really personal to me and being able to host that from beginning to end I always say that's like the hardest job I've ever had in my whole life learning 64 teams and announcing them and doing every single halftime of the tournament it's actually starting again on March 15th so I'm going to host the tournament but that's a highlight for me for sure and another huge moment obviously was Georgia playing Alabama in the national championship that was my first title game that I ever worked and it was in Atlanta and we lost by a touchdown throw and it was heartbreaking, but it's still something that I'll never forget ever. And working the Rose Bowl before that double overtime game, first double overtime in the Rose Bowl, like that whole season was kind of magical for me. And it started and ended in Atlanta because our first college game day actually started outside the Georgia Dome and it was Florida State, Alabama, I believe. That's awesome. Hey, uh, I guess two part question for you. And obviously this is a little intimidating because you could probably interview yourself better than we're interviewing you. So, uh, but anyway, we're doing our best. We, we, we have a good time. That's about it. But, uh, but I, I did have a question for you. So um, with you, you've had a pretty diverse career so far. You've gotten to do a bunch of different things. Uh, you've had, you know, with Herb Street, you've been with them. Um, you know, you've, like you said, you've been on the SEC network. I mean, ABC, Money, I guess it's ABC College Football Night. I mean, there's just a bunch of things you've gotten a, a chance to do, which is great. Is there like a fraternity with some of the, it seems like some of the women that you guys are all sideline reporters. So I think about Erin Andrews. She was with the Braves early on. She was, you know, in the studio when she first started her career with uh, when I was playing for a little bit after that. And then I think about Holly Rowe and Michelle DeFoya. Is there like a fraternity of you guys? Do you guys talk and, 
And um, because there seems to be this niche. So that's the first question. Do you guys kind of interact at all? And the second is, is, are you looking to get out of that niche? Is there something that you desire to do outside of just being a sideline reporter? Not that it's not a great job and it looks like you guys have a good time, but is there something, uh, you know, beyond that that you're looking to do? Yeah, I would definitely say that we have a very tight knit, you know, sorority and group of women who support each other and are there for each other. And even though like I've never met an Aaron Andrews, but I would love to. And I feel like we would get along great because we have some of the same experiences and we have the same understanding of just what life is like to be on the go all the time or live on and off of planes and doing what we do. Um, but, you know, I have a very good relationship with Holly Rowe to the point where, you know, I have a home in Atlanta, but we shared an apartment in New York, you know, because we our lives are the same. We're coming and we're going and we don't want to have an apartment full time in New York, but we need it because I have to be in the studio for NBA there. And only someone who lives your life really understands that. And there's other I mean, Hannah Storm just texted me yesterday and just, you know, just checking in like, well, how are you doing? Elle Duncan, you remember she was on the radio in Atlanta. Very good relationship with her. Always stand touch with her. And I think what the, the reminder is, it's just like, you're not the only one. Like there's sometimes when you feel beaten down by a scenario or a situation or Twitter trolls or whatever, and out of the woodworks, your girls come and they don't have to talk to you. We don't talk every single day, but when you need them, you know that they're going to be there. So that's something that's absolutely amazing. And as far as doing something else, I do have like an itch to, I don't know if it's, it's directing or producing, but maybe just creating or something that doesn't really, it doesn't require my face, but it requires my mind. And I really want to push for that or push myself in that way. I feel like I've done a lot in the way of hosting or I've done a lot, a lot in the way of on camera things, but I would love to do more. That's going to require me to like put a string through something that's episodic or, you know, crumbing up with the idea for a 30 for 30, um, or or just being the brains behind something that I really care about or, you know, a story that I really want to dive into and, and seeing where I can get more support for something like that. So that's something that I definitely an itch that I would love to scratch um, maybe in the near future, but it could be off for a while because you know, I stay pretty busy. So <laughs> I don't yeah. want to add too many things, but I would love to do that. I think that that would be so much fun. Well, you said something really interesting that made me think about my own life. And that you said, I I don't want to just use my face. I want to use my mind. And I remember as a retiring athlete, I was tired of using my body and I wanted to use my mind. You know, am I something beyond just my face or my body? You know, can I challenge myself in other ways? So um, I could see why that that could be very appealing to you. And um, I kind of felt I felt that when you were saying it, which was kind of interesting. I love that actually. Cause I remember when I was done being a college athlete too, and thinking about, do I go overseas? Do I keep playing? And it was almost the same thing. It's like, I got to stretch another muscle. Like it's time to <laughs> move on and figure out like, what else can I do? Like let's advance to the next, next phase of life. So yeah, mm, there's some, that's great. That. well, with March being women's history month, um, we've, this is now our third year, uh, doing this show and we've, for me personally, I felt, feel like I've learned so much both in every year we've done multiple episodes for black history month. And I've come away from those beyond the show, just with life lessons, just from listening to people like Hank Aaron and Marquise Grissom Mm -hmm. talk. Um, And I feel the same way about women's history month. And even yesterday here virtually in the office over, uh, over zoom, we had a, a panel discussion with some great women that, that work with the Braves that Greg and I work with, uh, Jory, Hannah, Beth, Shannon, shout out to them because they led a great discussion yesterday. Um, and 
so I was just thinking about that and listening to them yesterday. And again, I'm trying to, when it comes to these sorts of things, I listen, I want to listen, learn, ask questions. That's, that's, I feel like that's the best I can do is just try to make myself better by listening to others. So what can we as in the sports industry do to get more women in the traditionally male dominated spaces? I mean, I feel like we've seen some some progress here over the last year. And we, and, and uh, this was touched on in our panel yesterday, but it it's, seems like there's a lot more work to, to be done there. So what, what can we do better as an industry to, to help facilitate that? Yeah, sure. I appreciate the question um, because I think it's a, it's a onslaught of ongoing conversations that are obviously going to change our reality. And I think the first thing is that decision makers have to look around their table, look at their direct reports and realize, okay, is there a group that's missing? You know, do I not have the voice of, you know, someone who is Latina or Latinx? Do I not have the voice of a person of color sitting next to me? Do I not have a woman anywhere in the room? And so once you realize something like that, then you really do have to be intentional about, okay, well, the talent pools that I would like to look into when I go into my next hiring uh, have to be that group or has to lend itself to that group. And I think it's also making sure that, that your organization is open and honest about that, whether that's, you know, we, we aren't the best that we could be right now because we don't have the diversity that is needed to build and represent the fan base of, you know, whatever sports team that we represent, or it's not indicative of who we want to represent corporately. So I think that that's something that has to be honest, the decision makers have to do. And I think a big part of it is, is creating that talent on the ground floor. So I think that's with your interns, because a lot of times that turns into the individuals that you're going to hire. I think retention is very important and we kind of forget that. So are we losing a lot of our people of color over time? Do they feel as though there's a glass ceiling placed ahead of them because maybe they don't relate to their bosses in the same way, you know, that person who is a majority does. They can go golfing with him and feel comfortable and he's going to get the next, you know, promotion. But a person of color is like, I'm never going to get promoted here. So I'm going to get out of here. So retention is important too. people feeling as though they have an opportunity to grow with that corporation that matters and being able to show that with numbers and, you know, follow that up again, that's being very intentional. And those are two, I think those are the three things that have to happen. It has to be one, the awareness of the decision maker. Um, You have to be focused on retaining your diverse candidates and you have to really build the talent pool from the ground up. So you have to be really willing, open and honest about what are our entry level jobs looking like and how diverse are they? Because that's going to determine our workforce in the future. And as most companies, you would like to retain those employees and make them feel good and feel as though their future is forever there. So those are things that I think have to be thought about and talked about constantly. Hey, Maria, what, what do you think the biggest challenge is for you each and every day when you go to work? The biggest challenge, it, it used to be, it's funny because now I'm at a point where I'm like, great, I'm here and this is my job and no one's questioning me. But I used to be the one that was questioning myself and wondering if everyone was. So I would walk into coaches meetings and I wouldn't ask a question. You know, we'd be, and it could insert any school name. And I'm like afraid to even say hello to the coach. And part of it is because you walk in and my offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, my director, producer, they're all white men over 40 or 50. 
And I'm like, how did I get here? And so the, the biggest issue I literally had was like, stop questioning yourself and remember that there's a reason why you are here. And it's important that your voice is heard because it's the only voice of its kind in this scenario. And so you have to speak up and speak loud. And so that was the, the biggest stumbling block and the biggest thing to get over was just like this constant, they call it imposter syndrome of wondering, do you really belong here? Um, it's an insecurity of, am I doing my job correctly? And there's a little bit of baked in athlete perfectionism in there, or like just wanting to be a perfectionist. And so you're constantly beating yourself up. And so one thing that I struggle with still to this day is just giving myself grace and being like, we do live television and we do, you do live radio and we do podcasts and there's going to be slips of the tongue or there's going to be something said wrong, or you're going to get a fact wrong. And anyone can come out of the woodwork to come and attack you. But in the reality is they're not in the arena. And if they're not in the arena, if they're not playing the game, then they can't say anything, you know, they can't, they can't be the ones to tear you down and you can't let that happen. So I've definitely gotten better at that, but it's still something to this day that I struggle with. Well, I think we all struggle with that to some degree. I know when I was wanting to start this podcast, they were like, podcast, what are you talking about? I mean, that was three years ago, you know, it's like four or five years ago when no podcasts weren't podcasts. even a thing. That's right. That's right. And I'm like, well, you know, so I think we all get questions to some degree. And I, I appreciate that about being just an athlete because I think we all are always measuring ourselves and we, we want to do it right. We want to win. We want to be successful and we, we can stare at those barriers, you know, more than, than the openings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love the old story of the, the little girl that was trying to learn to ride a bike and her dad was uh, taking her out to a parking lot and he's pushing and and he says, okay, just, um, just, just balance yourself, keep going and don't look at that pole. She says, Paul, don't look at the pole. Don't look at the pole. This big old white park. She kept staring at it and she ran right into the, the pole. <laughs> and, and we do that, right? We look at the barriers as opposed to the openings. And uh, But uh, yeah, that's got to be tough. One, one final question for me is I wanted to say, what, what has been one of the toughest interviews for you, especially is it halftime? Is it, you know, mm-hmm. somebody like Belichick or Saban or, you know, guys that, you know, they don't want to talk. They're getting beat 40 to nothing. I mean, what, what, what are the <laughs> toughest ones for you? For sure. I think Saban's my guy and he knows he's my guy. I love that man. But every time, anytime we're going into halftime and he's down or some, you know, like we decide maybe like two minutes before who we're going to get. And then like a player makes a crazy mistake or anything Mm. happens and the other team scores. He's like, dang, I still got to do this interview. (laughs) And really that goes for any coach, (laughs) but they're not going to be focused on what you're saying because they're already in their mind breaking down what they have to say at halftime. And what just happened on that last play and what needs to be corrected and like probably who needs to go ahead and get yelled at, you know? And so that <laughs> those are some of the toughest interviews ever when you've already picked who you're going to interview. You're already on their side. You're waiting. And all of a sudden, you know, just the, the bottom drops out on their team and the, they make this huge mistake going into halftime. And you also know probably that you're going to have to ask them about it. So that's always um, the worst. Uh, so <laughs> halftime, inter- halftime interviews in general are after someone's won a game for the most part, you know, it's a pretty easy interview and to be honest my favorite inter my favorite interviews are the players so I love to interview players after games um, I love the interaction that you get and and especially in college players because you know we're talking about 18 19 20 year olds that are just so excited to be there and like celebrating the game and celebrating their team 
And I just like to be like that little small piece in history that maybe they'll go back and watch, you know, after that Alabama Auburn game. Oh, I remember how I felt and they can watch an interview and I'd like to be there and help support that. And um, those are some of my favorite moments, though. That's great. Uh, And last question for me. I just, I, you've kind of touched on it various times since we've been chatting here about how being an athlete kind of helped mold you in certain ways into in, as a broadcaster and a journalist as well. Um, I, I just curious how, how did your participation in sports think help ultimately shape you into the, the, the broadcaster and journalist that you are now? So I think a big part of, and, and you'll get this, um, it's when you make a mistake, you immediately want to figure out how you can correct it. And a lot of what being a broadcaster is, it's like, it's the performance at the game. So when the red light comes on, there's no looking back. Like you are live. You have to perform on a dime. And, and it's only during that 40 minutes that you can get it right. It doesn't matter how you practice. It doesn't matter how well you recited it before the red light came on. And I think that's the thrill that athletes really enjoy and why they gravitate towards broadcasting. Cause it's the only way you can get the same feeling of right before a game. It's right before a broadcast. Cause you know that that's it. You got to perform right now. And I also think like having a very thick skin because you make so many mistakes and you get told no so many times. I mean, I auditioned at MLB network. I auditioned at NBA TV. I auditioned at ESPN and got told no before I got the job at ESPN for SEC network. And you have to deal with that and not take it personally and be like, okay, how do I walk that back and learn from it? And I think as athletes, we're constantly doing that. We fail fast, you know, like we make mistakes and we bounce. We want to be right back in the arena. We want to go right back to practice or whatever. And really the hardest thing is that you don't get to practice. You can't practice for when the red light comes on. You can recite and recite and read and read and know all your facts. But when that light comes on, it's just like, it's you and the performance that you're able to give. It's a mental, um, fortitude that you have. It's like your ability to, to not be shaken. And all of those things are important and critical for athletes who are walking up to bat in the world series. You know what I mean? Like if the red lights on, what are you going to do? It's on you. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> a word. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. As we say in baseball, you can get them all out in the bullpen all you want, but if you don't get them out in the game, you're not going to be very good. So there you go. There you go. Uh, well, hey, thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. We we wish you uh, uh, just continued great success, and appreciate you being a Braves fan and coming on and hanging up, hanging out with a couple hacks. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me go Braves I love all y'all Dansby he's the homie uh, Freddie go ahead and win another MVP let's go to the World Series I'm watching every single game like y'all are the highlight of my October this past year so let's do it nice. again let's do it better yeah. we're ready we're ready <laughs> we're ready all thank right. you so much Maria appreciate it <laughs> thank all you right. guys have this a great day fun.